Pushing Back Chaos with Mel and Mike and Raph. Welcome back to another episode of Pushing Back Chaos with me, Paul Mel and McFadden. With uh, RV at our usual time, different places though. I'm uh, currently on a family vacation. We've gone back to the old, old country for Tia Raf, and uh, we spent a bit of time in Spain and now we're in Portugal or in Lisbon dialing in. It's super early in the morning here and it's uh, very late at night at very various places across the States. I'm joined by my regular two dudes. How you going there, Mike? Pretty tired, not going to lie, but uh, <laughs> I had to make it up, so I bit the bullet on this one because we were supposed to record 24 hours ago, and uh, I'll just say everything. You fucked it away. Everything. Fucked it away. Just say, say, say what it is. Yeah. Say what it yeah, is. Fucked you it fucked away. it away. I fucked it away. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Uh, it's the best. Yeah, best. and if and, and if Mike and don't feel bad for Mike if he's tired, Mel and I are exhausted because we were up at the mm. pre- prescribed time. Were we not, Melon? We both we made we both both made sacrifices. I literally I happened to be sleeping next to Soren. I rolled out of bed at two in the morning and uh, no coffee, and you know Mel and I are kind of warming up for the podcast, and there was no Mike and there's no Mike, and I was like. What's, what, what's going on? I mean, one side of me, it's like, well, I've come to expect this from him, but the other, but still though, I was like, no, usually I feel like he's, I feel like he's taken some, some, some notes from Mel and I just, you know, by watching our, our, our leadership style. And I just realized now, apparently you just wiped your ass with those notes and you're like, fuck it. I'm just gonna leave these guys stranded. Leadership style. Dude, th- just, okay. Every, everybody rewind the last two or two to three episodes. You maybe hear Raph say 20 words. Okay. Leadership my ass. Okay. It's actually nice to hear you in the conversation. Oh my God. <laughs> We're done. We're done. Uh, a good five well, that- farm, Mike, which just happens to be a Metallica track nine name. Yeah. Yeah. So Metallica. So there was something pretty big melon. Uh, you know, forget me and Raph's banter because, you know, We'll, we'll handle this like gentlemen later, but uh, share that awesome story that, that came out, man. Yeah. So my, my daughter, long time listeners would have heard me talk about it quite a lot. She was a super prem uh, baby back in the day, born in 07 in uh, Perth, Western Australia. Had a long, nearly six months in um, neonatal care there and she's legally blind. She just music comes out of this, person she plays keyboard and uh now drums drums for like the last eight months or so and she <laughs> was exposed to too much far too much 80s and 90s rock and uh metal when she was growing up <laughs> because that's what dad was putting on the <laughs> on the playlist all the time and her favorite band in the whole world is metallica so we were going to go back to australia for this vacation run now but it was like ridiculously expensive flights which is going to segue us into the topic we're going to talk about later but suffice to say we could go to a faraway exotic land for australians uh being spain and uh, portugal for much less than we could have gone back to australia and uh yeah we structured the whole vacation around getting to a town in the north coast of spain on the atlantic coast called bilbao because metallica were playing there and pretty much a sold out european and world tour Jerry managed to find a place with just four tickets together. And um, so we bought the tickets to Metallica before we bought the plane tickets and we structured the whole <laughs> vacation around, around, around getting here. And 
we kept we kept that shit locked down pretty tight and the kids had to do research on various topics while we're on the vacation and they were totally cluedo. We asked Michael to do some research on uh, the San Marmas Stadium, which is a big stadium that um, Metallica was playing in. And, uh, we, yeah, off we went quite late in the day. We let the kids stay in the house and the rest all day. And we turned up. We've got Terry's made a video. I'll put it on, uh, I'll put it on the push, Pushing Back Chaos uh, page when I'm done here. But, yeah, through the subway train and up the top and the kids had no idea. And... Uh, Michael got tally on about 5,000 Metallica T-shirt wearing hoodlums from about 400 metres and he realised what was going on. Um, but he's great. He kept, he kept a, a lid on it and we got all the way to the stadium and Annie's been moaning for the last month or so that she's never seen a big, a big bed live and, you know, we've just been feeding that monster and letting it, <laughs> letting it build up and build up and build up. And, and yeah, I filmed the whole thing where you see her realise that we're actually going to see Metallica and that this whole trip had been planned around that massive surprise and the kids being 13 and 15 are old enough to understand what must have gone or some of what must have gone on in the background to make that all happen. And so our uh, legally blind little metalhead got to see her favourite band in the whole world and it was no joke, a memory that I'll cherish and I'll remember on my my last breath, that'll be one of the ones that flashes off for sure. A look on her face and just how happy she was. It was a special memory, man. Dude, I literally watched that video probably at least 10 times, like as soon as uh, Chesar put it out there and I'm just watching it. Like, just it's it, it made my day just to see Annie genuinely so excited and the smile. I, th- I, I her face has to hurt with how freaking big she was smiling, and just the excitement of going in there and then just watching Metallica live and everybody, the whole family, just rocking out like a bunch of degenerates from Australia. <laughs> you know, it was <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, it's not. It wouldn't be Michael's first selection. You know, he's much more sort of R and B kind of kid not a real metalhead but they're so good live like they are you know there's a reason why they've had six number one albums in a row and 125 million album sales and that i was like no the crowd could be pretty aggressive here you know like i'm picturing myself when i was like 19 when i loved metallica and you know just i I had the it was totally not like that it was such a friendly and loving vibe in the in the stadium and you know michael and jerry while the under acts were, were playing, they were all really good um, metal bands. You know, Cherry and Michael are, are playing Scrabble on her mobile phone, passing it back and forth. And I was like, this in itself is its own little meme, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Mother and son who love R&B at a heavy metal concert playing Scrabble in the crowd. Like, I was like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I don't know how to, don't know how to capture that, but it was pretty funny. Yeah. But no, it was a very special thing to be able to to give, you know, just a wonderful, wonderful experience, for, I think, for all of us. But definitely Cherry and I probably loved it the most. One of those great, great days as a parent. And then yeah, all good. Like it, yeah, kind of like what Mike said, though, just seeing that, just seeing that switch in Annie's face, it's like, 
just purely unadulterated joy. And it's just so visceral. You can, you can, even though I wasn't there, like you could really feel the joy. I mean, like, you know, it still stands the hairs on my arms up a little bit, just watching, watching her just. She's so like, unselfconscious, right? You know, like she's still exactly the same way that you knew her when you used to start with us all the time. And she, she said, oh, water's coming out of my eyes and I turn, but I'm not crying. And it's like, she didn't know that there was such a thing as crying tears of joy. Yeah. Like she's such a little innocent, you know. I mean, she's my own daughter, so obviously I'm going to go on about it, but she's pretty special. You can picture her, if you if you don't see the video, you can picture a girl who already was wearing a Metallica T-shirt because she loves Metallica. She's got her mum's leather jacket on. She's got a cane, and she's standing outside a stadium hearing noise, and she actually was saying stuff like, I wish we got to see a live band today rather than this recorded stuff, you know. Pretty special. Yeah. I love that you and Chad's have totally made that happen though. Like seriously, massive kudos to you both. Like just massive. Like that's dude, that memory's gonna you talk about the memory that you know you're taking to your last breath. Trust me, that girl is too. Make no mistake about it. Mel, I, love I, I, I just wanted to say that uh I've always wanted to see ACDC live. So if you could, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you could take me some time and just trick me and take me to see ACDC, it would be it would be a wonderful experience. I'll I'll pretend like I don't know what's going on, and then we can just hit the mosh pit or something, and then you can break the news to me. I'll see you in the middle. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been telling the kids, I'm like, that's it. I'm never going to give you guys anything ever again, and I still get to win. And I'm I've got high expectations of you guys finally paying me back on some of this stuff at some stage down the track. I'm like, I'm like, Michael, you have to carry me home. It's like, what? I'm like, Jerry, find a restaurant within a 400 meter stagger because Michael wouldn't have more than 400 meters in him with his old man on his back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll be dining out on this one for a while. Anyhow, perhaps we should um, move on to the actual topic. Well, I mean, that is what has been happening here. So I'm, you know, Love to share that with you two guys and hopefully people like hearing about that stuff. Let us know if you do, actually. If you do like hearing about that kind of stuff, you prefer us just to get on with it. But we find it hard when we get together to stop giving each other shit. The topic today, Rack, do you want to lead off on what we sort of thought we were going to talk about? And pretty big topic that we thought was relevant for everyone at the moment. Yeah, um, this is something that we talked about a couple times and um, we just had other topics that we kind of prioritized over this, but we still nonetheless all agreed that this is pretty important. And what we wanted to discuss was, you know, we know that we're an economic, you can call it, call it what it is, right? It's an economic downturn. It's a recession. It's a depression. It's, you know, inflation is a 40 year historic high. Um, Everything, everything you buy from food to vehicles to houses is like, grossly inflated um it's just it's a tough financial time i am um, and I, I, I look i'm gonna be extremely transparent the three of us we're all very fortunate right because financially we've we've done well enough that i think just talking to the three of us i you know we we've done something right in the past and i think we're somewhat protected but there's a lot of people that aren't protected and so i just figured it'd be good to talk about the things that we do maybe in, in short order um, 
and we've thought about, you know, Mel and I, you, you and I have talked about this. We've actually talked about our finances in the past um, openly and also just kind of behind closed doors. And it's always good to balance off that sort of stuff. But before I get too far ahead, really what we want to talk about today is for anyone who's listening, if you, if you feel like you see the tsunami of, you know, inflation and how it's going to eat away at your dollar because it is and it's not just the u.s dollar it's it's across the globe right inflation it's the the world is so connected globally that what happens in china and russia and the united states is going to affect their secondary and tertiary you know um reactions to all this across europe across south, central and south america because it's just so globally connected you know uh you can't build something in china without other parts and pieces from around the world so yeah, I guess I'll, I'll start with um, kind of the way I've been evaluating. And I, I've been talking about this, I think, openly with most of the people that I'm around. And I kind of, you know, I've been very fortunate that I've, I've had access to people that own businesses and are way more financial savvy than I am. And I've been picking the brains almost for three or four years now. And they've all agreed that there was this, just the way we were... Um, just the way our federal government was kind of um, doing quantitative e- quantitative easing, um, like just too regularly, right? And that's just a fancy word for basically making money, like just producing money. And they just kept talking about the drop, the 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 downfall to all this. And some of the economic advisors that I was listening to were also talking about this. And so a couple of years ago, uh, luckily my wife and I, we both agreed that hey. You know, because we know that the economy is cyclical, just like it was in, you know, all the, you think about all the downturns in uh, 9-11, 2008, you know, and then previously to that, uh, we had the, the dot-com boom that collapsed, actually. But understanding that the economy is cyclical the way that it is, we said, you know what, while the times are good, let's start preparing for a downturn. And sure enough, man, in short order, we set aside enough funds to cover our expenses for six months minimum, meaning if both of us lost our jobs right now for the next six months, we're not sweating anything. We literally have every bill covered. Now, mind you, we're going to shave off a couple bills, right? Like there's certain things that we know if we both lose our jobs, we, we can absolutely do without. So, um, but, but we did that. We put away literally at least six months of funds away. And trust me, that was a tough one for me to swallow because I've always been kind of of the opinion that money just sitting in a, in a checkings account is not, it's kind of money lost, right? Because it's, it's not even beating inflation, but that's not the way to look at this. The the way we look at it is that that's a rainy, like we have other assets that we can liquidate, but this, this fund of cash is exactly for that. For the next six months, I don't have to, I, I can just literally withdraw the money and I can cover all the pay without, it'll be seamless. It'll just cover everything we need for at least six months. The other thing that we did, not involving money, was we started a stockpile food. And we started doing this a little bit pre-COVID, pre-COVID, but COVID really encouraged us to do it even more. So every time we went to a grocery store, we would buy a couple extra cans of whatever, non-perishables, you know, fruits, vegetables, beans, rice, lejeunes, like anything that we know that could last and has a really, really high shelf life. Um we started a, I started a um, kind of stock up on fuel, right? So I started, have, I started collecting fuel cans and I keep in my garage. I started collecting propane tanks because the generator that I have runs on fuel and propane. You know, if we start to have rolling blackouts, like, you know, if it's hot enough or whatever the crisis is, it's always good to be prepared. So we started looking at food. We started looking at, um, you know, what we need for fuel. 
we started looking at, uh, as a matter of fact, we bought a couple deep freezes. So we have right now, I've got four refrigerators in my house, two are deep freezes, two are regular refrigerators, and we have meat stashed in every single one of them. I mean, we literally have dry goods. We have beef, we have everything that we need. If again, we came down on some hard times. If, you know, if my airline let me go, if my wife's uh, job at the hospital, they let her go for whatever reason, you know, it's just good knowing that, that we have the means to take care of ourselves stress-free for the next, at least six months. It's probably closer to eight months. Um, and then the, th- the third proponent, the, the third thing that I really considered for an economic downturn is the group of, and I keep going back to this, but this is really, really important. Your networking, your group of friends, because those are the guys and girls that are going to get you help, that are going to help you get you back on your feet, right? So if I lose a job right now, I've already got a strong network of guys that are going to be like on my behalf, literally, basically like reaching out to, to companies to try to get me a position and vice versa. I, I'd like to think that I'm a guy that guys would, or, and gals would rely on to be like, hey, I just lost my job you know what, Raph would be a really good resource. He's always in with whoever he is, you know, maybe he can get me a job with the airline that he's working with or, you know, um, that sort of thing. Just a small anecdotal story with that. My brother-in-law and my wife's twin just recently moved out to, well, about a year ago, moved to to Spokane. And uh, I basically helped network a job that he just took a couple of weeks ago. And that's why, in, and but that's my point. You, you can't underestimate how important it is to have a strong network of productive members in your little, in, in your group, right? Um, I've referred to a couple of them by name. Matt Hopper's one of them that I know that, man, should I fall in hard times? That's a dude I'm going to be calling and be like, hey, man, I need to start looking for another J-O-B. You know, this, this, this job that I have just isn't working out. And he, he's literally on like my top, you know, shelf. I've got other guys, you know, Jeff, Ron, you guys, um, but that, believe it or not, man, that helps me sleep at night. I've got a strong network that I know is going to kind of advertise me and my skills and my resume way better than I can do, right? Um, and you can't underestimate the value of that, especially in economic downturn, especially when things are starting to get really, really hard. Because let's be honest, man, hard times can fall on anybody. And there's, you know, within your inner ring, of, of people, your, you know, your centric circle of people, man, it's really important to know who you can, who you really can go to for like, and I'd hate to talk money, but sometimes for some people might come down to that, right? Like, Hey man, we just fell in hard times, blah, 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 blah. Hopefully you can avoid that by talking about how to prepare for things like this. Like, Hey dude, put stuff away for, for literally six months worth, whether it's money, whether it's hopefully food, water, you know, fuel, whatever it is that you need. But that's the way we approach this. And listen, I didn't start yesterday. I started almost three years ago. And I started because I was listening to my, my uh, actually, I mentioned him before. His name is Ben. He owns a business in Phoenix. Um, and he's probably one of the more financial guys that, I mean, this guy came from very, very little and is, you know, he's, he's substantially well off, but he worked for every every bit of what he has. And he turned a company that was fledgling into a very productive, very, um, you know, rich, so to speak, quote unquote, company that's kind of well established now in Phoenix. But um, yeah, when you have access to people like that, absolutely pick their brain. Absolutely. Don't just talk about, you know, the good things. Talk about like, hey, genuinely, like, what do you think of the economy three years from now, five years from now? It was, it was Ben who put that 
that thought in my head, like, Hey man, things aren't looking good, whether it's two years from now, three years from now. And that's when I came back home and had a discussion with Aubrey and she kind of had the same feeling and we just came up with a plan together. So I, again, I'm very fortunate that I just had the right people at the right time. And I, and I took, I took their advice and I started to prepare. And so I'll be honest, I'm not nervous. I'm not scared. I'm not. And, and there's something to be said about that, right? It's not like yeah. I woke up and just realized like, I can, no, 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 no. We are prepared, but we've been doing this for years, a couple of years. Yeah, man. I feel very strongly like, uh, pretty much all of what you just said really resonates with me, right? So I've had um, the whole preparing good times is the way to live in these things, you know, to be a good little boy scout. I was a sea scout back in the day. Well, the story of the ants and the grasshopper, all that sort of stuff that the, the wisdom is there uh, for all of us. So one of the things is in that preparation for the good times, I'm, I'm really similar to you. So having those emergency buffers, uh, maintaining those funds and a six month figure again for me is the same is, is the minimum on our um in our loan system in australia we can have this i've seen it referred to in the british system as an australian loan but we have a system where you can have an offset so you can have cash sitting in an account that reduces the amount of interest you're paying on that loan anyway by that amount and that's just available there it's not a redraw it's it's called an offset account in australia so we maintain our emergency funds in that and that's immediately accessible. And we're the same thing, the same mentality of we want to be able to write out six months of all the bills. So one of these things in the in this preparation part is to get a bit of a handle on your spending and where the money is going and having, having that house in order so you're aware of, you know, what's coming and going for the family finances and where the discretionary spending is, the stuff that you can trim off if you need to in those uh, leaner times. And then you can just map it out and go, look, how much do I need to hold here to have six months? I think the key of what Raf has just said there is that this allows you to build a psychology where you don't have the fear and you're able to maintain a positive and calm mental place. So then you can avoid emotional monetary decisions which we know are terrible a terrible place to start with any kind of financial investing or you know a financial decision space in motion so Warren Buffett says to be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy and the psychology of things are dropping in value I better sell to get out of that and yet when you look at these great investors they're always the ones who are able to ride out those bad times and take a long-term view and they've done their research, they've done all that preparation in the good times. And so they've selected assets that are, you know, are going to hold their value up in the long run and they don't succumb to the fear and the headline, the news story. And so a lot of what you've said there, Raph, really is, is how I've set stuff up. So preparing in the good times, building out your buffers, Another one is assessing and paying down debt. So for all of us, it's a time to just look at, you know, what debts you carry and where the interest rates are. And like credit card debt's never a good kind of debt to have in any case. However, that's the one thing you like, just you need to look at the interest rates on the various debts you're carrying right now. And getting rid of credit card debt is, is somewhere for all of us to start. Even for, for me, I would say before building out that emergency fund, 
because those interest rates are high and they're only going to go up. And that one is one that can really just erode at your peace of mind and erode at your ability to build out those buffers. So, you know, there's a lot of good podcasts out there, Motley Fool. There's a whole bunch of good investing podcasts. I listen to one in Australia called uh, Property Couch, which is a, uh, uh, you know, there are people that do stuff in real estate. And so just going through, like, there's ways to roll up your debt. You can consolidate debt into lower interest loans where you can, and you def- definitely want to um, get that high interest rate stuff done as, as soon as you can and get those, you can build those buffers. Another one for me was um, a side hustle. It's a good opportunity or a good time to look at yourself and just, it's, it's all just, I think, about getting your mind sharp so you know where you can trim your discretionary spending, do so. If you can get additional little side income streams like our little coffee business that we have where we roast coffee, it's not a bad time to do that. And the third one now, in these downturns, it's a good opportunity to upskill. So qualifications, training, um, to prepare yourself for the follow-on uh, recovery period. So it's not, you know, don't sit on your hands. It's you're losing hours at work and so on, but, but this is the kind of time and, and energy that you can be putting into gaining those skills and qualifications for the next hard time. So just to recap for me, it was same as Ralph, having the preparation of the good time, six months buffers, assess and consolidate, pay down debt, especially high interest rates, upskill with training and qualification, assess your discretionary spending and trim it where you can. And... Uh, all of this has happened before. What Ralph talked about there of just being calm and uh, not, not being really worried at the moment is, you know, these unexpected events, unforeseen events, they, they tend to happen about <laughs> once a year. You know, and then like no one forecasts, 9-11, no one forecasts the GFC, the, the uh, 08 uh, recession, no one forecasts COVID, no one forecasts Pearl Harbor or... You know, these things, but they do, unexpected events, when you look at the long term, they do come up. You know, it's once every, I don't know, five years, seven years. So this is that get your mind into a calm space, get rid of the emotion, get rid of the fear, and uh, take a long-term view. So, Yeah, and and Mel, and if I could add to this, I know that it can be overwhelming because, trust me, in the beginning – when I, when I came up with the figure and I was like, okay, I've got to put this much away. Um, along, along that, we knew that, like, and it was a three-pronged approach, right? We wanted to set the funds up. We wanted to have more perishable, non-perishables. We wanted to be able to like, because remember, remember COVID, and this COVID kind of reiterated this for us because remember during COVID, there were empty shelves. There was no toilet paper. There was certain products that were gone. And we thought, okay, we'll never get caught in the situation where we went down to the store and whatever we needed wasn't there. Uh, we just thought, like, you know, that's never going to happen. So we started slowly building that up. So the key here is don't get overwhelmed. Just have a plan, and just you know, the way you walk a million million mile million mile journey is one step at a time. And you know, I look back and I'm so grateful that we stuck to it because. You know, I could literally go down to the local Wally world and the shelves could be empty. And I'd be like, okay, I'd just come back to my, to my place. And I mean, we have 90% of what we need, you know? Um, so, it, so just 
you know, if you haven't prepared for it, I mean, really do so. And it's not just about economic downturn. It's about anything. It's a disaster, disaster uh, preparedness, right? If there's a massive flooding in your area that knock out electricity, you should have a good generator. Um, you know, you should at least run that thing at least every three to six months. You should winterize all your stuff so it runs as soon as you need it to. There's just all these little things just, you know, it just takes literally 10, 15 minutes of your time. Just schedule it. Um, but all these little steps eventually build up. And, you know, when these inflation numbers are hitting and you're filling up your gas tank and it used to be $40, now it's almost $100. I mean, that listen, that bites from the value of your dollar. Um, and again, I know that the three of us are very fortunate and I'm very aware of that, but there are families that are like struggling, you know, they were struggling before. I mean, I could only imagine what it's like now, you know, when your gas tank costs twice to fill, you know, what it did before, you know, I mean, food is like, I'll buy 10 things. I'm like, how was that $200? Like, it just, it just blows my mind. You know? Yeah. Um, I'll jump in here now and. I agree with what you both are putting out and I, I agree that the three of us are uh, pretty well off right now. I think for me, you know, I wrote down that like I'm lucky to be in the military right now because I have a lot of benefits and a lot of security with my job and my paychecks are going to keep coming. I get paid 24 hours a day and uh, you know, I have uh, TRICARE and all that stuff if I get hurt or like anything. Um yeah, I have security there. Uh, so I'm, I'm lucky to be in the position I am, but also too, when I think, you know, it's just like Raph, Raph's talking about, well, I got four freezers. I got all this stuff, you know, like for me, um, I don't have my house anymore. I used to have a pretty nice house and, uh, I gave it to my ex, uh, in my divorce. And, um, that was a choice I made that wasn't, uh, you know, it's just a house to me, uh, in a sense. Uh, but I got money out of it. That's just, you know, I took and invested and I live in an apartment. So I have limited room to like stock up and do all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I have some other things stocked away, which I won't talk about, but, uh, you know, what I want to talk about is it was brought up about, uh, the depression and the one in 08, but then also back in like, you know, the thirties, the 1930s, uh, with everything. And I think that, something that society really needs to get back to is the sense of community and teamwork. Uh, that was the thing I was thinking about is because life is hard in general, regardless if there's a recession or not. Some people are always struggling, you know, working two or three jobs. I can remember my mom working multiple jobs to take care of me and my brother after my dad passed away. And we weren't really in a recession then. <laughs> it was just tough. Uh, and to think that you have to do it on your own is a very lonely feeling. Uh, one of the conversations that I've, you know, sit around the fire uh, throughout the years and I always talk about is like, well, what would you do in the zombie apocalypse? You know, and it's a fun topic to talk about, but it's real. It's kind of like, man, what if something really bad happened where society just kind of collapsed or was on the verge of collapsing and everybody's kind of fending for themselves and freaking out. Uh it's that sense of community. Like who do you have around you that you can relate to and they have certain skills uh, that they could offer. Maybe they're really good at uh, agriculture. Right. And it's just like, Hey, 
maybe we could, we should start a garden or maybe we can self-support in a lot of ways. Instead of driving multiple cars every day to a job, it's like, hey, reach out to people at work. Hey, how about we start a carpool How you know, to save on gas and all of us kind of pitch in or, or move around there or, hey, start having community dinners. Like, hey, why don't we start barbecuing and we make food for everybody and then we take turns and kind of you know, everybody contributes is, is the point, you know, uh, we've kind of lost that just because of society and social media and independence and everybody kind of does their own thing now. And it's really kind of, it, it will bite us in the ass. I mean, look, look what happened with COVID, you know, everybody's freaking losing their mind over toilet paper. You know, if it's really that bad, you get off the toilet and it's really that bad, just get in the shower, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, you know, I mean, it's right there. Most places yeah. have it. And if you don't have a shower, dude, go in the sink and just wash up, you know, do yourself. It's not that hard, but <laughs> yeah, I think community, uh, teamwork, asking for help, you know, uh, we talk to veterans a lot. You know, I, I know Pat with operation once a lifetime, you know, he, he always asks veterans. He's like, man, I'm struggling at home. I can't pay my bills. I have three kids, you know, doing all this. Well, do you work or what are you doing about it? No, I don't work why not? Like, what are you actively doing to take care of your children and feed them? You know, like put your pride and your ego aside. Uh, anything is going to help if, if you're not bringing in this, just like, yeah, it's, it's not going to last forever, but we always talk about it. if you're going to be uncomfortable, man, just, it's okay to be uncomfortable, but you got to do something about it. If you sit back and just take it, you're going to get your ass, ass wiped clean. So Anyway, that's, that's kind of what popped in my head. You guys are talking about all good points, but um, you don't have to do it by yourself and lean on community, your neighbors. You know, I know really good people uh, around here. Raph, I know where you live. You know, you got that little thing. Uh, Melon, I don't know about Saudi. I, I, the compound, I'm sure, would all just come together and just have a great time and, you know, have uh, tinny Tuesdays and uh, barbecue Wednesdays, but uh, that, that's comforting. Um, I mean, some of what you're saying there, Mike, it's the same, you know, that preparing the good times. Part of that is the karma of investing in relationships. It's not just, you know, you're not, you're not just, you're not just putting money in the bank when things are good. You're being there for people. You know, you're, you're helping, you're checking in, you're contributing to other people's lives. And, and this is like an additional resource that's available for, the person who's lived that good life to draw on in those hard times. You know, there's going to be a network of people out there standing ready to assist when you, when your hard time comes, when you've been that person who's been interested in them, you've been reaching out that hand to help out when, you know, there hasn't been, you know, like there hasn't been anyone necessarily asked when you've just been there for people. Yeah. And, you know, like karma's not magic. It's just, it's the life you've created for yourself. You know, you've, you've all made choices and where you're on the road that you've been walking yourself, like you got yourself to that position. And if you've been one of these people who, you know, we like to consider ourselves where we're, we're in, interested and invested in our community and our relationships, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be willing and would love to assist you. So that's a really excellent point. Yeah. And I mean, it's extreme, but in my time hiking the Appalachian trail and getting outside and the outdoors and all that stuff, I literally know people where their primary plan is they're like, I'm leaving, I'm leaving the city or I'm leaving the town. 
and I have my group of people that I'm going to go to the Appalachian Trail and live in the mountains and we'll be totally fine. You can hunt up there. They have portable houses, you know, with tents and all their resources. They got all their stuff packed. They have stuff cached all along that freaking trail. That The Appalachian Trail alone is a community within itself. Like, I never knew how big that link was all the way up through there. That is a massive community. And all of them band together in a way that you just don't see in the city or around the suburbs or anything. So, Yes, it's an extreme like reach out there. It's like, man, I'm not going to leave my nice freaking house that I worked for and whatever else and just go in the woods. But there are people out there, a community of people that are willing to help each other. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to go up here and escape the chaos uh, for a while. And we can self-sustain up here. Like, we'll be totally fine and live simple. There's a, a thought leader that I know Raph and I both have read some of his books and listen to some of his podcasts, Tim Ferriss, one of the early podcasters. He, he has some really great attitudes and thought experiments and actual experiments that he, he runs on himself all the time. And one of them, he's got a real stoic philosophy. So a lot of his stuff really um, mends, melds in well how we approach life. He talks about worst casing stuff, like getting something and going to the worst case. And with finance, he was like, he has like lived on the street. He's lived on, you know, three bucks a day with rice and that's pretty much it for seven to 10 days just to see if he could. When he went through, well, what would happen if I, you know, if I lost everything, I lost my income stream, I lost my house, what would I be left with? And what would that be like? And, and in, in a way, in a sense, the military does set you up for that, you know, because like, living in the field and, you know, eating food out of a can and well, that kind of hard life where you don't have access to running water or electricity, the same as you are just talking about there, Michael, people on the Appalachian Trail. When you've worst case something, you, you do come back with a sense of um, that you can survive or endure much more than you think and it can really take the fear element away out of, oh, you know, what would it be like? Well, it'd be, you'd be fine. You know, like you'd, you'd be a little bit hungry. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be sitting on the couch eating donuts and surfing Netflix, you know what I mean? But you, you'd be fine, you know, like you're stronger than you think you are. You can survive and endure much worse than you think. And having that, like proving that to yourself with, you know, go camping, get, get out in nature, enjoy yourself, but also just see how you actually are going to be fine and how little you need to really be okay can really be one of these things that, that bolsters your psychology to deal with that fear sense that can come up. There you go ahead, Mom. Yeah, and my next point that I had is exactly what you said, is just, you know, it's okay to go back and live simple and find the joy in living simple, okay? That doesn't mean go to the Appalachian Trail and hunt deer and make your own fires every night. No, I don't mean it like that. That's an extreme case. But instead of like getting the most expensive food at the grocery store every time you go out, it's like, hey, maybe get something else. Maybe, you know, maybe you're not going to Whole Foods and spending a thousand dollars a week on food, you know, for everything because it's organic. Right. I, I saw just I know, a quick aside. I saw a, a Whole Foods. We don't have it in Australia. When I was in the States, and there was a plastic container that had a peeled orange inside it. <laughs> <laughs> In this this is real. Like I, I would think that this is a setup for a joke by a comedian like Bill Burr or something, right? But it was, I was 
you know, Whole Foods. And I was like, what the hell? And it was like individual plastic containers with one peeled orange inside it. And I was like, if only God or nature had given us something to wrap an orange in. (laughs) (laughs) Like petrochemical, you know, like we're pumping oil out of the ground to turn into clear plastic container to wrap an orange. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I, I see it all the time here, you know, people going out, they're not going to Whole Foods, they're going to like, you know, Walmart, or uh, I don't know, some places, are, it's called Aldi's, it's a German store, but it's like, it's more discount food. It's not the best, like of everything, but it's definitely cheaper. It's like definitely a quarter of what you're going to pay at, like Whole Foods. And you see people just reorganizing their budget and being like, hey, this is what we can afford now. And that has to be okay. Uh having your, your family or your kids like realize and be like, Hey, resources and, and all that are tight right now. Uh, money's tight and you just got to make some changes, you know, for the better. Like if you want to make it through and the uh, hard times is, you know, if you stay the, if you stay the same course and you're struggling, that's the definition of insanity. Cause you're expecting something magically to happen. You're just stay the course. No, it's not going to work that way. You got to do the the OODA loop. I know we talked about that before, but just doing a constant reassess and be like, yeah, this, this doesn't work for me right now. So for right now, I need to make these changes, um, see what I can really afford, see what we absolutely need. And maybe it won't be the nicest t-shirt that you go out and buy when you're clothes shopping. Maybe it won't be the nicest food or the nicest car for your kid, you know, cause he's turning 16 and he was born and he woke up today. So give him a brand new car. You know, you know what I mean? It's just like, you got to make these, these honest assessments in times like this, cause it's not going to last forever. Right. Every time there's a recession, which has happened, it goes down, but then, you know, it goes back up. Uh, it's not guaranteed. I mean, I hope, I hope it does, but, uh, you know, time will time and leadership will tell, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, going back to live um, simple and find the joy and that being okay is very important. Live simple and find the joy. Oh, no joke. You know, we all talk about wanting to get our kids outside, <laughs> cancel some subscriptions. <laughs> there you go. Save some money right there. I'd like, no joke. That should be part of the things you look at when you, when you do your, uh, so your budgetary assessment where you go like, what's discretionary here, you know, and you can simplify things right down to a baseline. And, and then when you look at what you'd need then for a six month buffer, well, maybe that figure's not as intimidating as it is when you're like, Oh, but I need Netflix and Hulu and all these other, I don't even know what they are, you know? So clarify your needs versus your wants. Get really clear. Like your survival needs are going to be far, far, far below what we normally would accept in the West. But that can just eliminate that fear. It can make the that six-month target for buffers within reach. And then as Raf is saying, you know, you just start small and just start building that sucker up. And it's not like it's not like having these things in a good time hurt hurts. You know, like having having that practice of living within your means and knowing where you can trim and looking for a budget option where you can and, and maintaining a buffer, that's always good advice. Because you know, these black swan events, they, they're unexpected. Nobody, nobody forecasts this stuff. So did you have, uh, do you have any more there, uh, Rafi, you wanted to jump in? Yeah, I was actually, I was going to circle back to what Mike had said about, um, you know, you said you had limited space cause you're in the apartment, but I, but I, this only kind of 
underscores what I was talking about earlier, where how important it is to have a really strong network of people, of like-minded people, right? Another anecdotal story is uh, we just went in half with a uh, with my wife's twin and her family on a cow. So we paid a, a local farmer to slaughter a, a cow. Um, and, you know, and it was something that uh, my wife's family actually had brought up to us before in the past. And we said, yep, absolutely. We actually, we've done it. Uh, we we all went in on a pig. We like every family chipped in, you know, so much. But we did the math, and it came out to like you know just under three dollars a pound for for the beef, which is a phenomenal value. I mean, like you can't even get those. Like I mean, even at Costco, you you could probably barely touch those prices. So the point is, it's um, the, the, what I was trying to get back to is so obviously my in-laws don't have the space that we do right now so we're holding some of their beef and some of their we've cached some of their stuff but the point is this is why the network is important because even though you might not have the space maybe somebody that you're really really close with who's not far away maybe you know a mile away two miles away somebody you work with might have it right they might have a space where you can actually start storing stuff away and that you have that mutual agreement like hey should should the zombie apocalypse, you know, happen, then I can always collapse to your house. We have foodstuffs. I've been stashing stuff there. I'm just saying, like, this is where the network is really, really important. Like, you need people you can trust. You need people that have shared values, and you have that shared goal. And you're like, all right, this is this this is what we're gonna do, right? We're gonna stock up. And should we fall in hard times, dude? You 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 know the access to my door, man. Help yourself and your kids, and you guys are more than welcome. And you know, I'll hold this for you or you hold this for me and vice versa. Yeah. Jeez, Raph, stop, stop yelling, man. Don't have a cow. Damn. That's the worst dad joke I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you know, I, I just like slipping them in just to see your guys' reactions because I know you guys tell shitty-ass jokes all the time, man. Oh. That, was, that was pretty bad, man. I know. That was terrible. That's, well, almost just, as ter- uh, that's almost as terrible as Mel and Schmedium. The Schmedium? Yeah. Yeah. Well, We'll just that rash guard he calls a t-shirt that rash guard he calls a t-shirt and but it anyways all i was saying was resiliency and the network is probably more valuable in my book than actually having the financial means because the financial means can come and go money's gonna come and go you're gonna shit it away you're gonna make tons of it whatever but the network and the resiliency man that's that's Fuck, man, that's invaluable. Like, that's going to get you through some really, really hard times. And then think about once things start to get better, I mean, it'll just catapult you into such a better position. One of the things that's interesting when you, you do um, spend time with successful people, or you, you know, you can listen to podcasts, whatever it is, you get access to people who've had success. It can be very different than what you think success is like when you're a kid or when you, you're coming up, like, you know, you're like, successful people have you know he's got a ferrari or he's got this or he's got that and and when you you meet people who are successful it's very much not that like they just have strong foundations they've got assets that are you know are accruing in value over time that they don't really it doesn't even come up you know they're not wearing 500 shirts and right. do you know what i mean like that yeah. The people who have success over a long period of time that I that I know and I've listened to on podcasts and people in my circle, like they don't live flashy lives. Like they sort of live this like sharp mind. Um, money's hard to get. I'm gonna husband it carefully, I'm gonna put it away. And you know, the the joy doesn't come from having 
flashy stuff on the outside. It comes from having, you know, strong roots and strong foundations. And so that's also part of the thing we need to deal with in the West. Like you, you don't have to be living inside that consumerism mentality of I have to have the newest, shiniest thing to impress other people around me. And often, often that's been bought on credit, you know, like you just don't need it. And if you can, if you can trim that thinking off at the start of a hard time, like that can really just give you a great position and be like, no, no, I don't need to, to throw any of this money away. I can just live simply and, you know, feel good about myself inside. You don't need these things on the outside. Well, it goes with saying, you know, you could be the richest person in the world with nobody in it and you're going to be extremely lonely and feel dissatisfied and, you know, unsuccessful, you know, or, you know, you could have no money, but have the best relationships and the best people and the network around and you're going to live a great life. You know, it's, it's all, it's all in what we practice every single day, whether it's a recession or not, you know, it's, it's just doing the basics treating people with respect, working together, have a sense of community, understanding what the needs are versus what your wants are, uh, being able to communicate it, be a leader when you need to. Uh, I mean, it sounds crazy sometimes to some people, but that's, that's basics. That's just basics of life. And uh, if you're not doing one of those, even if you are, you can get better. I know I can get better, you know, trying to work show up out. on time trying to show up when you tell your podcast members that you're going to show up like is that something is that a work on is that a work in progress mike son of a bitch have you arrived have you arrived did you take it for granted all right look raf just pretty much named everything that he has i have a certain set of skills that i could just get into his house and take it all from him so that's my that's my new plan so thank you raf leave the gas out front I'll just take it. You're welcome. <laughs> I've got a vicious Pomsky that'll that'll stand guard. He's got first watch. He'll he'll trigger the alarm. Don't worry about it. Uh, there's eight. Hey, all right, here's a good joke. All right, there's two ways to stop a uh, a special operations team from conducting an assault. You know what they are? Well. I want to ask a question, but I'm not going to ask it. No, nope, no. Nope. All right. So, it'll give away too much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Uh, one, you put puppies in the front yard, right? Because they'll, they'll press them. <laughs> oh, no alpha male man can resist a little tiny puppy in the yard just frolicking. Like we're just going to break. And two, you put a you put a man sized mar- uh, mirror on the front door. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I said it. There you go. That's, that's you know that's, that's true, more that's true. true for one group. That's, that, that's true. true for one group. Yeah. Well, no joke. I think I think Mike just listed off a really good summary in in that last little piece there about the ways to get through these things, and we are going to get through them, and there are going to be worse than this in in our future, and you know people are going to get through those too, and it's it's not a time to freak out. It's time to be calm. However, however, you get yourself into that mental place of calm you're going to be making your best decisions. And a lot, a lot of these things are exactly as Michael said, relationship-based. You know, like physical things are never going to be the ones that you're going to think about on your deathbed. You know, it's going to be those relationships and being there for people and then being there for you because you've invested in those relationships that are going to get us through all of these things ultimately. Were there any other um, points that you wanted to, to leave people with there before we wind up, Ralph? No, I think we covered it. I mean, we're not, you know, 
financial advisors and, and we've all just kind of done our own, our own bit for our, our own personal reasons, like our families and just obviously our future well-being. So I think I can honestly say that just looking at what we've done, I think it's, you know, it's been successful. Um, like I said, you know, this downturn isn't going to affect us in a grand scale. It's going to sting, you know, um, but it's, it's not going to be like a life or death type situation. So obviously the things that we've done have, 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 uh, have proved themselves. And I, and I just, it's, so it's good to share them and just be transparent because maybe somebody's listening in there again, this can be, listen, I was there three, three and a half years ago. It can be overwhelming when you're thinking about how do you prepare for a downturn, economic disaster, you know, environmental disaster, just, you just, you know, especially when you have a family as the head of the household, I mean, that's, I mean, you go to sleep thinking about that, you know, like, Hey, if worst case scenario, if I lose my job, how am I going to support my family? If I, if I die, you know, what, what do I leave? What kind of debts do I leave my wife with? Like, this is all the stuff that I'm sure every head of the household thinks about. Um, so small bites, man, small steps. That's how you, that's how you accomplish that million, million mile journey. Did you have any others you wanted to leave here, uh, Mark? No, I think I, I think I covered it in that last little bit there, just thinking about it. Always have a plan, no matter what it is. Always take the – could be daily, could be weekly assessment of what's going on, where you're at, and just look at all aspects of your life, you know, financially, personally, relationships, your job, um, all of that, and literally just have a plan A, B, C, probably even D – uh, because uh, life is going to happen. Stuff's going to happen that you just can't predict. And you think you got it all figured out and lay there. And it's better to have, what is it? It's better to have a poorly executed plan than no plan at all. Right? Yes. So that's very true. Plan, well executed. Yeah, well executed. Average plan. When it's executed on time, beats the perfect plan. Yeah, there it is Life in the big brain. Yeah, yeah, it sounds a lot better. Another one, just just to, to leave everyone here, not, the three of us, we're clearly not, uh, we don't work in finance and this is not our thing, but we're just, we're just talking general points here. Professional advice is out there and it can help clarify some of these things if they're not clear. But so, you know, I'd encourage people to go and pursue that if they need it. But I think what you're seeing from us is just gradual investment and planning in these things, investing in your relationships, investing in your own uh, skills and qualification, um, investing in who, like who you are in your uh, work community and what, you, what value you bring to the organisation you're in. These are the things that are going to get you through a downturn. And so it's that continue just showing up as your best person each day. All of this stuff is all, you know, it's money in the bank in all areas. The things that are going to be fulfilling to you are also going to make you valuable at work and they, you know, you're going to be the person that they're going to try and hold on to in a downturn. And so these things are all connected. And, you know, the path that you're walking, as Raph said, that journey of a thousand steps starts with the first one. And, Hopefully this stuff will just, it builds and accrues slowly. And, you know, I think when you look at, at what you've gotten through in the past as well, it can really help just put everything in perspective. And 
at the end of the day, turn the damn TV off. You know, you don't need to drown yourself in bad news. Get out in the fresh air and, you know, call your mum and everything will be fine. Yeah, that's actually, that's brilliant advice, Bella. I mean, especially all the social media stuff, except for ours, of course. You definitely want to stay plugged into ours. But, you know, it's important to stay off the Instagram and, and Facebook and just fight those algorithms and go be productive. You know, go actually go be productive. Um, you know, harness that skill, harness that whatever it is that you, that you like you said, you upskill. So just, just be better at the, at the things that you're already good at, you know, so you bring your value up. I mean, that's massively important and network, network, network. I mean, that's, that's my, that's always been my plight. Have a strong network because it'll, that, that's your safety net. And these things, you're not invest, you're not investing in these things in order to anything. You're not like, I will build my network to help me in a downturn. It's not that, you know, you're just the person who, like you go back and listen to Raph preparing for his, his job interviews. It's like just being a good person and being interested in his, in his mates. That, that's networking. Like networking is not calling someone up saying, oh, I want something from you. It's just being a good dude, being a good, being a good person, interested in other people's lives. Like you're the person that has built a relationship account with that person. You can draw them when you need it. But you're going to be the person they think of when an opportunity comes up. So yeah. it's it's simple it's simple things and it's just executing them, you know, over time, and and these things build up. I mean, you look at the three of us in the last 12, 24 months. We've all been upskilling. We've all been uh, investing and bettering ourselves in our careers, and like these things, are all just little incremental steps that prepare you for the downturn. So I hope that that has helped. Uh, you know, let us know what you've thought about the stuff. Send in any. Uh, observations or additional points we can pump out to our community, things that have worked for you and helped. Remember to leave a review and, uh, you know, a written review really helps with the algorithms, uh, getting us rebuilding our brand after um, relaunching us, pushing back chaos. And share this out in the community. And, uh, you know, we love to hear back from you guys. Reply to all emails and messages. And I think uh, we'll wind it up there. And until we see you next week, take care.